Good morning, church. It's a uh, beautiful Sunday morning. And uh, for those of you out there on the World Wide Web, I'm uh, George Lumpkin. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, God bless you this morning. And thank you for being a part of our worship service this morning. For uh, those of you that seem to care and keep up, uh, I did get a haircut this week. Um, I kind of had this uh, uh, Old Testament Nazarene idea that I would just let it grow until the whole pandemic was over. But when I shared that with my wife, Brenda, um, she invited me to Brenda's backyard beauty salon. And uh, so probably the best backyard haircut I've ever had, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember if my mom gave me those backyard haircuts when I was a kid or not, but if I look at those pictures of me, it kind of looks like she did. Anyhow, well, um, we're still doing live streaming, no in-person. The, the church is empty, uh, except for those helping with the worship service. Um, the church is empty. And uh, I'll confess to you, uh, that's been the hardest part of this for me. Uh, I come over during the week and the building's empty. Uh, but Sunday morning, we're, we're hoping that what we do on Sunday morning is a blessing and an inspiration to you. But uh, for me personally, it's actually been the hardest part of the week because uh, I get dressed up, I get prepared, I come here and you're not here. And that's hard. The church is empty. But the church still exists. The building is empty. But I would dare say that maybe the church has become more powerful than ever. There's nobody in the pews, but the power of the church exists and is at work. I know here in our community, the different denominations, different churches, uh, we once competed against each other, and now we're helping each other. Uh, we used to didn't have much to do with each other, and now we're on like Zoom conference almost every week. All the pastors, uh, we're conferencing together, we're emailing each other, we're calling each other, we're helping each other. The church still exists. We, uh, we used to compete with each other, we used to uh, keep separate from each other, and now we realize we need each other. We're all in this together. I think maybe we're realizing that, that it is our unity that is our witness, not our doctrine, not our building, and not our fancy worship. Hmm? I would dare say uh, the body of Christ, the church universal has been on the front page of the newspapers and in the media more than probably since 9-11 uh, in, in the year 2001, maybe, maybe even more. Um, you're not here in the pews, but in nearly every church I've talked to, viewership is up, interest is up, awareness in the church is up. Neediness of the church is up. The building is empty, but the church is growing. The building is empty, but the church is on the move. The church, often considered by the outside world to be a group of nobodies, is being treated like 
somebody. The church often treated as if we're just nothing much more than a crutch for the weak has become powerful. The church has become a strong force for good. The church, considered by some to be a place where you escape from reality, has become a searched-for source of wisdom and guidance. A spiritual house, says Peter. Peter is talking to a church that's been dispersed, persecuted, not taken seriously, not noticed by the world, but you are a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's own people. Rejected by the world, but in reality, living stones building a spiritual house for God. Called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's own people. Or as Dr. Martin Luther King would say at times, once you were nobodies, but now by God you are somebody. Well, let's do a shout out to the nobodies who are not nobodies at all, but sometimes treated by the world as if they were nobodies. Let's, and, and, and I get it. It's our tendency. It's natural uh, that we give our admiration to outstanding athletes, to talented movie stars, to beautiful people, to powerful and wealthy movers and shakers. And, and they seem like somebodies to us. But the trouble is, sometimes it makes us feel like we're nobodies in comparison. So let's, let's give a shout out to the nobodies who are really somebodies. Let's give a shout out to the hospital custodians. Huh? We're honoring medical workers, and, and rightly we should. But what about the custodians? What, what about the ones that go in and clean up dangerous places every day? I mean, what if they went on strike? What if they said, no, this is too dangerous. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. But they do do it every day. They go in and they put it on the line for us. Hmm? somebody's putting it on the line blessing the world let's give a shout out to the stay-at-home stay-at-home moms who have been stay-at-home moms for years huh a shout out to the stay-at-home moms who are often overlooked and not taken all that seriously because they don't have careers they don't produce things they don't accomplish things in the eyes of the world, but here they are showing everybody how to do it. Here they are showing us that this is an honorable vocation that changes the lives of everyone and not some sort of quarantine punishment. A vocation in which every day they're putting it on the line for us. Huh? Let's give a shout out to those HEB grocery store employees, cashiers, but, but what about the ones that come in and clean up at night? What about the ones that stock the shelves? What about the truck drivers that are delivering that toilet paper you've been searching for? They don't have to do it. They could all go on strike. They might just say, no, that's too dangerous, but they do it every day for the benefit of us. Huh? 
Let's give a shout out to the retirees and the senior citizens. Hmm? Considered to be such nobodies by some politicians and some pundits and some people that we would just throw them under the bus and let them die so that the young people that can go back to work. But it's the retirees, it's the senior citizens that are sewing the masks so the young people can go back to work. Amen. It's the senior citizens, it's the retirees who are helping take care of the grandkids so the young people can get some work done. Huh? It's the senior citizens, it's the retirees who have spent a lifetime accumulating assets and wealth, and now they're more than anybody giving that wealth to nonprofits and churches and social services to help the young people get through this crisis. Let's give a shout out to the retirees and the senior citizens who have been through wars and droughts and economic crises and they've not only been through it, they survived it, they were victorious and they have wisdom for us. My son, he gets down about everything that's going on and he calls me and I tell him about his grandparents and his great grandparents and how they did it. And, and the kinds of things that we can't even imagine facing. And they did it. And they are an inspiration because they put it on the line every day for us. The very stones rejected by the world, says the scripture, have become the very building blocks for that house, that spiritual house needed by the world. Nobodies who are really somebodies. Now, Having said all this, I'm grabbing my water here. <laughs> having said all of this, uh, having bragged on the church, I guess is really what I'm doing. Um, don't get me wrong. Um, believe me, I am fully aware of how in any church there can be shortcomings, there can be failures, there can be sin itself in the church. I uh, was sharing with part of my church staff the other day that uh, back in 2009, in the worst part of the Great Recession, uh, I was at another church, I was in a little town, and we were trying to hire a new youth director. And so we're getting all these applications. Again, during, during the recession in this town that was fairly hard hit. Um, and I, I realized uh, I could put almost every application into three categories. One category was, I need a paycheck, okay? I've never done youth work. I, I don't know how, but I'll do it. I'll do whatever you ask, I need a paycheck. Uh, another category was folks that really felt called to ministry, really felt called to youth ministry and wanted an opportunity uh, to do that ministry. But I, I realized there was a third category, and it was people who were just stressed out by their current jobs and thought, oh, a church job, that would be so non-stressful. They are all just going to be nice and wonderful and and I told that to my staff and they all burst out laughing uh, and I've told that story to, before 
or to, to lay people who serve on committees and they kind of see how the sausage is made in the church and uh, they all laugh too. The, the church, we're, we're, um, we're not immune from stress and sin. I remember years ago uh, being in a small town and uh, we had three different projects where we hired a contractor from out of town and, and all three times they, they played what I called the Christian card. They, they said, oh, we're Christian, so hire us. And so we're like, sure, we'll, we'll default, all things being equal, that's what we'll do. Uh, and all three of them cheated us. And I, I told my church, I said, from now on, we're only going to do business with atheists because they're the only ones not trying to cheat us right now. It just, um, you know, there is sin in the church. Well, that leads me to a, a definition of being a Christian. I shared this at Tom Dance's memorial service. Um, there is that stereotype that people have, a stereotype that usually uh, people who are not Christians have of Christians, and the stereotype is Christians are those people that think they're better than everybody. But... Um, and, of course, there's always been and is and will be people who, uh, Christians who do think they're better than themselves. Um, I would argue that's the exception, not the rule. And that actually the opposite is true. Uh, Christians do this very strange thing. Uh, they get together on a weekly basis and they confess their sins to one another. Christians get together and remember that we're not better than everybody. I don't know who else does that except maybe 12-step groups. We get together and we remember that we are not strong enough, powerful enough, wise enough to do this by ourselves. We get together and, and we remember that only by the grace and power of God can I do this. And, and the, the, the goal is not to be better than other people. The goal is just for me to be better than I would be without Jesus. Jesus, make me better than I am. Make me the kind of person that can be a blessing and put it on the line for the benefit of others. Which I think is sort of my definition of a saint. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, a saint was just simply anybody who was a believer of Christ. Um, and over the centuries, that that word saint has come to mean someone who's practically perfect in every way and has miraculous power. I would dare say that a saint is, is a Christian who fully realizes how, how much they need God, who ask and receive and depend upon God. And in their own particular ways, grow up in Christ, as the scripture says. And somehow, uh, they're a blessing in their own particular way. That you, you think about that person and you think, my life wouldn't be the same. My life would be different. My life would be uh, not as rich if it wasn't for that person that was <laughs> doing it for me. And we've lost a few saints here in the church recently. 
Tom Dance, Tom Walford, Tom Walton, Priscilla Abbott, my goodness. Althaus, thank you, Brenda. Althaus, Priscilla Althaus, nobody like, no, uh, no saint that I know like Priscilla Althaus that have put it on the line for us. Hmm? And it sort of feels like a miracle, a thing impossible that somehow we sinful people were, in spite of it all, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, you, the church, called out of darkness into the marvelous light for the benefit of others. And so church, I just want to say, you may be separated right now by a worldwide pandemic, but we are united together. Nothing has happened to our unity through Jesus Christ. You might be feeling lonely right now, but you are not alone. Christ is with us. Christ is with you. You may have convinced yourself that somehow you are not that important, not that significant. There's no purpose for your life. But the good shepherd would leave the entire flock just to come find you if you were lost because you are a treasured child of God. You might think that you are unforgivable, but you are already forgiven. Christ has already died for you. You might think that your faith is weak, your prayers are puny, your knowledge inadequate, but you are a beloved, treasured child of God. And just like a child, you don't have to do anything to be loved. You're just treasured because you are. Church, you are the spiritual house of God created for the world. And so church, I just encourage you to continue to crave the pure spiritual milk. Continue to taste and see that in spite of it all, the Lord is good. Amen.